fruitfulness. Most of us are fruit lovers. We love to taste the sweetness of our favorite fruits and can't wait until they're in season. Whether our passion is apples, oranges, mangoes, or kiwi, God has provided us with a vast array of fruits to satisfy even the fussiest of appetites. In fact, God designed his world to be filled with luscious fruit-bearing trees, all in their season and producing seed to propagate further life. And as we read throughout Genesis 1, God declared emphatically how good it was to see his world flourishing. In fact, he wanted his children to be fruitful as well, blessing his first human creations with instruction to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. He repeated this instruction to Noah and his family after having to cleanse the earth with a flood. He gave this as a promise to Abraham, indicating the multiplication of his chosen people. And he even extended this to Ishmael and his descendants. Upon his return to Bethel, Jacob received the promise of fruitfulness after his years of enslavement to cruel Laban. And it is on the shoulders of his 12 sons that the 12 tribes of Israel stood. Even his enslaved son Joseph recognized God's favor upon him when he named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. As if to reassure us centuries later that God can create fruitfulness even in our times of sorrow. Further, there are so many scriptures confirming that our position or place is fruitful as we are faithful to the Lord. Moses counsels the children of Israel that if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, you will experience all these blessings. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. This is repeated in Psalm 1, advising on the joys of awaiting those who don't follow the advice of the wicked. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Solomon reassures of, of this in Psalm 72, indicating that the godly will flourish like the fruit trees of Lebanon. And the, another writes that even in old age, that they will still be fruitful. Pilgrims singing their way up to Jerusalem recognize that fruitfulness encompasses one's entire family, rejoicing that not only will they enjoy the fruit of their own labor, but their wives will be like fruitful grapevines, flourishing within their home, and their children will be like vigorous young olive trees. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. In fact, those who trust in the Lord will never stop producing fruit because they are well-rooted and receive a constant source of water. Neither heat nor drought will deter them. But such is not the case for those who resist the Lord's goodness and bounty. As we see in Genesis that certain fruits may look delicious, appear desirable and nutritious, but they have long-lasting consequences to our spiritual, mental, and physical health if we consume them. 
to avoid such fruits, the Apostle Paul advises the Philippians to fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and worthy of praise. And remind the Ephesians to stop telling lies, letting anger control you, quit stealing and using abusive language or brimming with bitterness. It isn't a stretch to see the bad fruit that such behavior produces. But if one persists in disobedience, Moses cautions his listeners, all your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops and your trees will bear no fruit. And bluntly warns them that their fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Psalm 107 counsels that the rebellious will find their once fruitful land turned into a salty wasteland because of the wickedness of those who live there. And Solomon, ever aware of the deceiver and schemer, that they will eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes, he says. And to those caught up in sexual immorality, Solomon warns that strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Jesus himself teaches a great deal about not bearing good fruit, forewarning that such a tree will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yet he also advises that we're created in him to bear good fruit and that we can identify a good and bad tree by the fruit they produce. Moreover, when spotting a tree not bearing good fruit, but only leaves, he commands, may you never bear fruit again, and immediately the fig tree withered up. He knew that its growth was only for show, and it wasn't producing the fruit it was designed to yield. Yet in his parable, he illustrates the patience of the master gardener, indicating that even after waiting three years for fruit to appear, He'd give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer to see if a harvest would come. He even warns what causes a lack of fruit, telling his lakeshore listeners that the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things results in fruitlessness. Yet he assures us that he's faithful to prune all of his trees so they will produce the riches of his bounty, even going to the point of cutting off every branch that doesn't produce fruit and pruning others so they will bear greater fruit. But he warns that we can only produce fruit when we're connected to him, for he's the one who nourishes the vine in order that we may produce lasting fruit. And what is this lasting fruit? People who are brought to eternal life, as he explains in his message to the Samaritans. In fact, the good news of salvation is designed to bear fruit throughout the world as people understand the truth about God's grace and experience changed lives. It is then that the way we live will honor and praise the Lord, and we will in turn produce good fruit as we grow in knowing God. And what is this tasty fruit that we'll produce by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us? Paul provides a comprehensive list to the Galatians who are trying to understand this new life in faith and not works 
outlining the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that will grow within us as we grow in God. Paul also tells the Philippians that we are always to be filled with the fruit of our salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And in case we wonder how we can produce the fruit of good deeds, James recommends that we seek the wisdom from above, which is first of all pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. For God's word is ever going forth, we are told in Isaiah, to produce good fruit in us and around us, and it will faithfully accomplish all that the Holy Spirit intends and will prosper everywhere he sends it. We read finally in Revelation that Christ will give everyone who is victorious, those who repent of their lovelessness for the things of God, that they will get to eat the fruit of the tree of life in the paradise of God as they give themselves fully to him. What is all of this? Living in his grace, growing in his goodness, abounding in his love. God will let us eat his eternal fruit and bask in his light and love forevermore. In that day, we can definitely sing in his fruitful vineyard. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.